Hey, hey, Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. It feels really good to be back, actually, guys. Uh, but we are live again. Um, I was obviously not here last time, but you guys absolutely killed it. And uh, to those that might be listening when this comes out in podcast form, I am talking to Joe Kilgallen and Cody Del Mendo. Gentlemen, how's it going? It's great. Cody, if I could cut you off, I want to say that uh, it would be dumb of us to start this podcast without congratulating Cody on his brand new kicks. Cody, if you want to tell the <laughs> listeners what you're rocking on those feet. Uh, oh, on those, boy. I don't know, you look like a big guy. Size 12, I'm going to guess. What are you rocking? 12, huh? 12 and a half, man. Okay. I wish I had them on my feet. I, as soon as I got them, I put them on. And then I, me and my girlfriend, we went to uh, her grandparents. One of her cousins is home from Syria. He's in the military. Thank you for your service, Tanner. Um, and so we went over there and I, and honestly, like everyone wasn't, when we got there, everyone took their shoes off and like, they didn't care that I left mine on, but I literally asked like, can I leave my shoes on? Um, because I love them so much. They are for everyone who's listening. They are the, uh, university of blues, Jordan one, uh, retro style. Um, if you know the Jordan ones, uh, if you don't know the Jordan ones and you're listening to this podcast, then you, you gotta, I mean, I don't understand. It's a Chicago sports podcast here. Come on guys. Like everyone should know where the Jordan ones is at this point. Um, yeah, man, Joe, thank you for bringing that up. Those shoes, as I like to say, they fuck and uh, they really they actually kind of go well with this this they're they're i mean they're carolina blue but blue is blue you know what i mean like i might you know i don't know if i will because i like to i love going to the bars uh after a day at wrigley and you know it can get a little messy because you know wrigley is wrigley so i don't know if i'll ever wear them to a game but don't do it I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're I like asking for it at that point. You're you're right. I, I am asking for it. Um, but maybe maybe a, a different game somewhere else, not at Wrigley, if, you know, maybe that I know that we're just going to the game and we're leaving afterwards. So and how yeah. much? Uh, okay, so they're retail $170, but they sold out on the literally everywhere within, you know, a minute, because that's just how the world works with robots and the internet. And uh so I bought them on StockX for $480. Just, oof. Well, you're getting that stimulus soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to the stimmy. <laughs> I was going to say, that's going to help, man. Because I, yeah, I, I I think the most I've paid for a pair of my J's. I think I got my Chicago ones when I bought those for a really good price. I got them for like $350 uh, yeah. in the secondary market, which was stupid good but for some reason size 13 sell cheaper than like every other size on in second market so mm-hmm. i don't know i guess i kind of lucked out having an unlucky number choose size. well you know cody do you see what he just did there he's bragging he's got a bigger foot than you that's, <laughs> that's exactly what he did <laughs> you just had to slide that in there oh my oh, size yeah. 13 i mean I, I used to wear 12 and a half when i was a child but yeah i'm a size 13 now <laughs> yeah you know i wore i wore tens right out the womb but like i mean it's all right it's fine no <laughs> but uh no dude those are beautiful um i saw oh, yeah. those earlier i i got what size uh, shoe? You. yeah i saw that too what size shoe do you guys think jack peterson wears <clears throat> size These. 16 yeah size 16 uh and what he's got in the pants too is probably just the, just as big as well because this guy is just raking right now, guys. Good lord, 
He is. It's <laughs> we unbelievable. Talk about him right away, right? Absolutely. Right, we have yeah. to start the show off with Josh Pearson. I was going to say, what, five spring training homers already so far through what today was the ninth game, I want to say? And, and uh, he yeah, hasn't even played ridiculous. all of them. I mean, he's been, yeah, he's been unbelievable so far. And, and God, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I love Kyle Schwarber. I really do. <laughs> don't but say why, it, Ron. But, don't say it. Yeah. Don't but say it. Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm getting good feelings about jock jams in left field. Uh, That's all I'm gonna yeah. say. That's all I'm gonna say. We'll keep it real, real nonchalant, real straightforward. I just I'm getting excited about number 24 and Cubby Blue this year, and it's not Dexter Fowler. It's Jock Peterson. I mean, okay, I can live with that. I can live with that. I'm excited. I, I, I'm gonna my the the actual statement in my head is is still replaying. I can see it flipping around in my brain right now, but I'm, yeah. I'm censoring myself because I, I'm not, I don't want to rile you two up, let alone all of Cubs <laughs> Twitter up. Well, I'll well, say this. Go ahead. I'll say this yeah. I want them both to have monster years, of course. And I think it's one of those things where not necessarily a change of scenery, because I mean, Jock for sure. Cause he wanted 600 at bats, right? And he clearly wasn't going to get that in L.A. despite having a monster playoff run. So his last season with them, he wins the World Series, which is great. He hit 389 in the playoffs for the Dodgers in 2020, including a bomb shot in the World Series, hit 400 in the World Series. I know it wasn't the biggest sample size. I think only like 12 to 15 at-bats or something like that, but hit the ball hard all over the field. And Schwarber, of course, had a bad year in 2020 after a monster 2019. He's a Cubs playoff legend. He's always going to have a soft spot in everyone's heart. He doesn't mind. I love that guy. Um, you know, I hope one day he comes back. I could see him having a future in the game. He'd be a great announcer, real color, great color commentator. I feel like he's got that type of personality. And but I, I'm like you, Ron. Right now, I'm 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 in love with the flavor of the month. I'm in love with Jack Peterson right now. Uh, I, I, I he's got a great swing. He's got like a swagger from what Ian Happ said during one of the telecasts a couple days ago. He's been a great teammate. He's really been talking to the guys and he really wants to be part of something special here. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I could, I could see him being like a Nick Castellanos type, you know, um, we forget <laughs> Dodger stadium's got big power alleys, very big power alleys where Wrigley field does not. I mean, Wrigley's a hard place at home running now because the wind blows in more often than not. Mm-hmm. But it's still 368 to the gap where we're kind of deeper down the line where Dodger Stadium is pretty weak down the lines. So I, I can see this being a great fit. Like we talked about before, his strikeout rate's been going down. He's got a swagger. He's wearing 24 for Kobe. There's just there's just a lot going into Jock Peterson's story that I'm liking. Yeah. Uh, Ron, I didn't like I'm not. I wasn't trying to say that you shouldn't say anything nice about Jock Peterson. Obviously, he's playing great this spring. What I was trying to say or allude to was just like, don't jump over that line where it's like we were like saying that it was super smart that we that we signed Jock Peterson and let Kyle Schwarber. Oh walk. no, I, I don't. I don't think that was where I was going with it at all. I think more so just in the sense of like. Obviously, everybody was heartbroken seeing Kyle Schwarber leave, right? I mean, any Cubs fan will admit, or not any, but most Cubs fans will admit that, hey, you know, even even if he was only here for a short amount of time in the grand scheme of his career, because realistically, he could play for another 10 years. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he probably could play longer than He's that, especially if he, yeah, especially if he transitions to a DH, you know, come age 35, 36, 
he could probably play till he's 40. I mean, he's, you know, he got in good shape and he's, you know, doing well and Hey, who knows? But I just, I feel like, again, we talked about it, right? I feel like here it comes on tap that there needed to be a change. Like they're just, you had to shake it up a little bit. You can't, you can't run it back with the same group and expect the same results, right? Because just naturally that doesn't work. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. that's literally the definition of chaos. So my big thing was if you were going to make a move at a position with this team based on just contract situations and who you may deem more important than another left field to me is the one position in the game where like you can replace a power guy with a power guy and usually get away with it. Mm -hmm. And it just, I think the Jock Peterson fit works and and Joe, you brought up a lot of those good points, right? You know, he, I, I see he's got a, I, to me, he's got a chip on his shoulder because you know, I remember when he came out and he debuted and it was, oh, Jock Peterson, he's here. He's in the show. It's the next big Dodgers prospect. You know, but then guys like Cody Bellinger came along and guys like Corey Seager came along. And a lot of those guys stole some of that spotlight from him in L.A. And not saying he was necessarily looking for the spotlight, but, you know, he went from being this, it's Jock to, oh, yeah, it's Jock Peterson. He's the, you know, seventh best hitter on the L.A. Dodgers. And I, I really do think a lot of people kind of wrote him off. At a very mm-hmm. early age, he's still young. He's got a lot of baseball left in him. And a lot of people were just like, ah, oh, it's Jock. You know, he's going to do this and he's okay. But, you know, is he really that good? And I think he has a lot of just pressure, not pressure necessarily from outside, just pressure on himself. I think he's like, hey, man, I'm going to come out. I'm going to show everybody. Cause like he even said, one of the big reasons he wanted to sign with the Cubs, they, they said, you're going to have the opportunity to be the everyday left fielder, no matter if it's lefties or righties. You're not platooning with somebody based on who's pitching. Yada, yada, yada. So he's got this opportunity to really kind of reinvent himself and get a monster contract if he has a huge year. And really, if we're looking at it, yes, Nicholas Castellanos was having an absolutely fantastic year when he was in Detroit before he was traded to Chicago. I think he had like, what, 30 doubles already by the time he got traded to the Cubs? It yeah, easily. Just, but only, yeah. Only 12 home runs because Comerica right. is stupid big. Yeah, you know, exactly. I was going to say he was a double machine in Comerica because – Probably what at least seven to nine of those doubles probably would have been homers at most any other ballpark in the league. Yeah, but for then sure. Came- I think they actually was the they had a, an overlap of where his doubles were landing in Comerica to where yeah. they would have landed in Wrigley, and he would have had at least I think seven more home runs, which would have put him at like nineteen when we brought him over. He, he would have had a forty-five home run season if he played in a normal ballpark. Right. And so, you know, but I feel like him coming to Wrigley and having that monster run that he had at the end of the season is really what helped him land that monster contract with the Reds. Well, maybe not monster contract, but good contract with the Reds. That's a very reasonable contract what he signed with, with Cincinnati. So now, if you're Jock Peterson, you're probably looking at it too and hoping you kind of have the same season in a way of like, hey, maybe it's not here in Chicago. But if I rake this year and I hit 30 bombs and drive in, you know, 80 to 100 runs, he's looking at a really nice contract next season when hopefully by then because of, you know, fans starting to get back in the ballpark from pretty much almost every team now, at least in some capacity, maybe next offseason is much better for these guys than the last two have been. Yeah, and Cody and I talked about fans coming back. It wasn't official yet, but it's now official the Cubs will have 20%, which is a little over 8,000. And thank God, because I know Cody and I were talking about it, man. Dude, we were like, we're, we're going to start a whole different, we're going to do a sit-in. I was going to go to City Hall and camp out and be like, this is ridiculous. Protest. And protest. <laughs> and again, yeah, my wife's yeah. open nurse people listening, so I'm not one of those dudes. But 
in my head, I'm like 50% in bars, which some bars 50% in is like, you know, your asses to ankles with some people because these bars aren't very big. You know, we've all been in a bar where it says 200, uh, 200 people occupancy and you're like, no fucking way could 200 people be in this bar and it's safe, right? Yeah. Yeah. 50 uh, or 20%, 8,000 people in a stadium for 40,000 plus. That's outdoor open air with numbers dropping and more and more people being vaccinated. I think it was some sort of like city hall type of like, all right, let's let them sweat a little bit because as much as we love Chicago, that's Chicago. Um, and and thankfully, both the Cubs and uh, the Chicago Dogs, the only two teams in town, will be able to have uh, people in their seats, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is great. And uh, like you said, that's something that I, I wasn't obviously on to talk with you guys about. But that's, I Thank mean, God, huge, too. Right? Because no, <laughs> no, right? Yeah. Hey, no, I was glad he wasn't here. <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys ruled just fine without me. So you're yeah, the I'm kid not... who missed school and everyone gives you shit when you come back. So. More or yeah. less. Yeah, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the kid that skipped school and everybody's like, oh, what did you do with your day off? Like, oh, nothing exciting. I promise. <laughs> but I, I but know no, this I mean, Ron, sorry, man. Yeah. You just brought up something interesting. I, I know this is a baseball themed podcast, but I got to ask you guys and, and hopefully female listeners could attest to this too. When you had a fake sick day in like high school, mm-hmm. wasn't that the day you just masturbated the most? because you're just bored as hell you know what i mean and the cubs are not until 120 and you're just like i wasn't really that sick you just need an extra day to turn in a homework assignment you know that was the day you were like nah what the hell i'll do it again Uh, i mean you guys don't want to admit it you're leaving me hanging which is very here's here's my problem i was a goody goody two shoes kid so i actually i literally the only day i skipped school was like i think senior ditch day i think that's the only day i skipped school and I don't even I couldn't even tell you what I did that day. I probably I probably was a loser and just did homework if we're being entirely honest. So <laughs> well, our uh, new our new sponsor, Moody's Bible, is gonna be very upset with us uh for talking about this, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh i mean i'll 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 go out i'll go out on the limb i mean yeah sure why not you know i i don't remember a lot of what i did when i skipped school but i do remember being bored a lot which means yeah i might have gone and done that so i'll admit to the the possibility of it you know so uh for everyone listening sorry that you had to have that image in your fit i'm not sorry at all you're welcome <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I appreciate this. God, love you so much, man. You bring up the shoes. You're 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 welcoming all forms of masturbation to the podcast world. Just great. You got to work on that swing all season. You know, <laughs> got to get it. you got to get it. And especially right. I mean, we're in spring training with the Cubs. Joe's getting into you know he's in spring training form right now. He's going to be in regular season form probably in like two episodes of not even two episodes, like next episode, Joe's coming out swinging for the fences. Like Jock Peterson's been to start this, this spring training, just hitting moonshots to every part of the ballpark. Always. You know, he's pulling, pulling, pulling out, you know, Joe, Joe blows stats from 2008 <laughs> in the month of September off the top of his head. Like you're getting weird with oh, it now, Ron. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> hey, there, there have been a couple times that, that you and I have done a show together or that you and I and, and other cast members have done a show together and you pull up a stat and I'm just like, is he right? And I'll like kind of Google it under the, like in my phone as you're talking and son of a bitch, he's right. 
I was like, how the hell did he notice? Did he just look this up like 25 minutes ago? Or like <laughs> he looked it up three weeks ago and just retained it. And sometimes you even said, you're like, oh yeah, I was looking like last week at Joe Schmo's stats. And I remember this. I'm like, wow, um, I need that kind of brain. Cause if I had that brain, whoo, I mean, <laughs> well, good you have for to myself. Do is you have to have uh, children and then ignore them. Um, <laughs> that's, that helps. That's for looking up statistics, you know. You know what it is? I just see stupid comments on the internet and I go, that's not right. And then I look it up and I have to have it memorized so I can be like, I told you so. You know, that's, isn't that why we all study baseball stats as a guy? So you can be the loudmouth in a bar being like, oh, really, dipshit? Really? Why don't you check his strikeout rate from 2015 to 2018? Because clearly sure? it was below league average. You know, just I want to be that guy. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like yelling at all those people who are like, we should have never traded Dexter Fowler. We haven't had a leadoff hitter since then. And uh, whenever, I mean, really, it wasn't the fact of Dexter Fowler being gone to why the Cubs had that problem. It was just the – well, I think there's a lot of different reasons behind it, but it's not the fact that Dexter Fowler was gone. So, But usually <laughs> the people who say that – you bring up an interesting point with that, Cody, about the whole leadoff hitter situation and Dexter Fowler, who we all love. Uh, you right. go, we go forever, right? Right. Most of the fans who are like, they need to go out and get a lead author. They always sound like this too. You need to, they need, you know what they need to do? They need to go out <laughs> and they need to get themselves a lead off hitter. Okay. We haven't had a lead off hitter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the funny thing is the fans who usually say that, like where they'll bring up Dexter Fowler or Kenny Lofton, they don't watch baseball because, or they only watch the Cubs Man. look around baseball. How many true lead off hitters are out there? This idea that the, every team, but the Cubs, has a Ricky Henderson or a Kenny Lofton, some guy who's hitting 305, slapping the ball over the field, stealing 50 bases, plays center field. That does not exist. This is not RBI baseball 1987. You know what I mean? There's no Vince Coleman. There's no Willie McGee. This is just not the league. There's Stolen bases are down as a whole. And the guys who do steal a lot of bases, for some reason, can't hit. Um, you know what I mean? I was thinking about the guy like a Jonathan Villar is a, a good base stealer, but he strikes out more than Kyle Schwarber does uh, and Javi. So it's like it's baseball fans listening out there, that prototypical leadoff hitter that you grew up thinking about just doesn't exist really. I think there's like a handful in baseball. And if you don't have one, you don't have one. So you just right. look for a guy who could get on base. Well, it's just so much harder to produce runs these days because the pitching has gotten better over the years. And then you have your back end of your bullpen that's like, on light like light years better than most bullpens were in terms at least in terms of velocity and stuff overall like you have to score your runs early off the starter or you just you know maybe get lucky on one pitch or something that you that, that you guess right i mean like i i hate to put it in simple terms like that but a lot of it is a lot of the pitching is why that you know managers and teams and front offices are you know they're playing like they're going this route it it, it kind of sucks like but it, i mean it is what it is i think theo epstein said it um what he, he what's it what's his technical term like name now he saw he's, he's he works for the league right yeah consultant to the office of the commissioner or something is theo's I, title now and he had some statements today i could bring up in a second but go ahead cody okay well like i feel like it was like a month ago he had some statement he said something about how the game like analytics have like taken over the game and that's a problem and like i i agree like 
like I get so annoyed with the stat nerds on on the internet and like I look I I read fan graphs all the time and like yeah I I look at on base and slugging and like WRC plus and you know war and all that I look at it and I let it help me decide if this guy is a valuable guy but then there's so many other stats out there that someone some stat nerd on the internet will take and be like this guy this random dude will the like he'll use this one stat to boost up this one guy and use it as a reason to put down like Javier Baez or something like that and it's like dude like 10 15 years ago no one would question if Javier Baez was good. People would say that Javier Baez was good. He w- they would say that he was one of the best players in the league. And like that's the kind of stuff that annoys me. And the reason that I bring up Theo Epstein's statement is because, you know, one of the reasons the league is like down. Oops, sorry, I hit my mic there. The, one of the reasons the league is down is because they, they're not good at marketing their players. They, you know, but Javi is like, he's the most marketable guy in the in the league at least one of the best, at least. And I just get so tired of the stat nerds out there trying to put down some of the top players in the league. It's like, let's just like, like let the guys play. And, you know, obviously they're not perfect to everything. Not every player is Mike Trout. Not every player is Mookie Betts. Like some players have flaws and some players don't. And obviously all players have their strengths and weaknesses. And I just get so tired, like I said, that, you know, the internet kind of is, I feel like is a part of maybe why the league is kind of trending down because analytics, like even just random fans start using freaking analytics for every little thing is their argument just because they're listening to the stat nerds who work at fan graphs or wherever talking about their shit. And it just, like I said, just, it, it annoys me. I sound like such a boomer right now, but I'm just, I'm just being <laughs> completely honest about it. Like though, like, because again, like I, I read fan graphs and I take what they have to say into account. But at the same time, I feel like no one takes into account the, you know, the human level. So like so many people put down Kevin Cash because he took out Blake Snell in that game against the Dodgers in the World Series clincher. And like he then there were the stat nerds were defending it just because the Rays did it all season. But sometimes you just got to do what feels right. You know what I mean? And I feel like it, like when I think about that game and I watched that game, like it was, it, it was not the right move. Like I, I don't care if the Rays did that all season and that game in that moment when everything is on the line, the fact that Kevin Cash did that, I feel like it shows a lot of balls, but at the same time, it shows a lot of stupidity because you just, I feel like you have to, in a, in a game like that, you, you just got to go with what feels right. And I could, I understand if people disagree with that, but I mean that I feel like that's a, a good example between how analytics have really taken over the game. Well, Madden did it to Hendricks in game seven, but you're right about the analytics thing. And I, I love, I've got so many Moneyball related books. I have Moneyball, of course. I've got um, several books written by like the baseball prospectus guys and the fan graphs guys. And I love a lot of that stuff, but you're right. The human element gets missing. There's some parts of it where I'm like, you guys are just reading data sheets. Are you watching the games? Because anyone who would have watched Javier Baez in 2018 and 2019 would tell you this guy has a knack for driving in runs. He does. He seems to rise to the occasion. He feeds off the moment. And a lot of these advanced stats, analytics guys, will downplay the RBI. Uh, there's There are times where RBIs can be misleading. I think you shouldn't look at RBIs as a like way to predict a player's future because the very next year they could hit just as well but not have guys in front of them. But 
there are situational stuff. And if you actually watch and see with the eye test, you could see Javier Baez is a guy who rises to the occasion in those situations. He loves coming up with runners on base. He loves all that kind of stuff. And clearly driving in runs is a big deal. Ian Happ was talking about a few days ago on um, the score local radio here, everyone. And he's like, no, it's a skill. Driving in runs is a skill. And I think too many of these guys just made it seem like, oh, well, and I remember hearing one of these nerdier stat guys, right? I feel like we're twerps. They're twerps, guys. <laughs> Is that this dude was just like, why would they be a better hitter with runners on base versus nobody on base? Shouldn't they be trying to get hits every time up? And it's like, well, yeah, duh. But there are some people who feed off of that because, see, some of these guys don't know what it's like. They never hit a bases clearing triple slid into third and seen all their teammates being like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like screaming and all that stuff. They don't get that when you're in the batter's box and like the pressures on you, some people kind of dial it in. They just, they right. see clear. They, they, they rise to that occasion. They feel it. You know what I mean? The same with big game pitchers, Clayton Kershaw, regular season, one of the best pitchers of all time. Playoff kit Clayton Kershaw. I wouldn't have him in my top 10 of guys I'd want to start a game seven. Yeah. If you ask me who I want top 10 pitchers to go opening day, April, hell yeah, Clayton Kershaw. He's probably number one on my list. But you're talking October, he's in my bullpen. He's my long guy. He's the guy, if I, if I get rocked, I'm like, ah, oh, let's, I guess we're not going to win this game. That's October Clayton Kershaw. I know he tried, he had a little bit of a good year last year, but really that's because it was a short season and his arm thought it was June still. Like, I don't know. There's just some guys who rise to that occasion. And you're right. Look at the human element of that. You know who was the happiest when Kevin Cash took Blake Snell out of the game? The Dodgers. Because they thought to themselves, this is awesome. That guy we can't hit, he's leaving now. I don't care how good the next guy is. Psychologically, we're thinking, yes, get rid of the guy I can't get a hit off of. I'm 0 for 3 off of him. I'd love for you to take his ass out. Never do what the opposing team wants you to do. And I'd also think to myself, Blake Snell's who one of the big reasons we're here. You know, if you know, if I'm not getting late tonight, have your date walk out on you. Don't leave her on her own. You know, I don't know where I was going with that analogy. In my head, it started to make sense. <laughs> it was a whole go with who brings you the dance situation, and it went off the rails. Anyway, Ron, what say you? Well, yeah, no, I, you brought up a lot of great points, and there's did a couple. I? I'm not of sure if I did at all. No, honest. you did, you did, you did. <laughs> uh, trust me. And amidst amidst <laughs> the laughs, Joe, there are always good points out of your mouth. But you brought up a lot of good stats, and I think the, with the RBI, right, especially, I think back to KB and in 2019, KB had what almost 30 home runs, but he only drove in like 73 runs because nobody was on in front of him, and that's obviously when he was hitting high in the lineup, and he was two a lot. And, you know, he just didn't have those opportunities. If KB that season's hitting four or five in that lineup, he probably drives in 110 runs. Like, he was that good that season. So, you know, I really do think... Yeah, Albert Mora leading off didn't really help him out. No, not at no. all. And, you know, so that's the thing, right? It's like, it really does take a skill to, you know, you have to have... Again, it's the clutch factor, right? I feel like that, that gets brought up and people are like, well, what's being clutch? You can't measure clutch. Like, there's ridiculous, crazy, super complex sabermetrics that can, but like, yes, in general, clutch is not an I, you know, a, a measurable statistic like a batting average or something is. But again, the human element, the eye test, you know, when a guy is coming up, if he's a threat to your team or vice versa, or if he's a threat, you know, that your the other team should be scared shitless of. Like, 
if, if Chris Bryant comes up to the plate, I don't care how bad of a season he's having. If I'm the other pitcher, I'm still a little nervous. Same thing with Anthony Rizzo. Same thing with a Javier Baez. Because at any given moment, these guys can step up like they've shown in their careers and hit a, you know, like you said, a bases clearing triple or a, you know, two run bomb late in a game to give you the lead. And it goes for pitchers too. And I think the Blake Snell argument is absolutely perfect because I do distinctly remember they asked Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts, excuse me, I don't know why I'm stumbling over my words. They asked Mookie Betts. No, I am not drunk, Cody. Um, <laughs> they asked Mookie, like, I think right after the game. It was either right after the game or like two days later, I remember he did some type of interview. And they asked him about that, about Blake Snell coming out of the game. And he literally said, he goes, I'm sitting in the batter's box going, oh, cool. Okay, because he was 0 for 2 against the guy. He was like, mm-hmm. none of us could hit him. Literally, I think they said what? It was Mookie, Bellinger, and was it Jock? It might have been Jock, actually, because of how hot he was. They were 0 for 6 against Snell going into that inning when he was pulled. And then all of them were like, cool. And guess what happened, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't watch the game? That Turn part it. of the order right. turned it around, and that's what run the fucking game. Like like you said, Joe, don't do what the other, you don't do what the other team wants you to do. Dodgers were praying that Blake Snell came out of the game because he was unhittable. And yet Kevin I, I like Kevin Cash. I think he's a good manager. I really do. I, I like I've always been a fan of the Rays organization because I fan or family in Tampa. I've always been going to games since I was like eight years old. So I tend to follow them a little more than some other people do. Kevin Cash is a good manager, but that is absolutely 100% a situation that you have to trust your gut and say, fuck the numbers. Like, numbers are great. They're a great supplemental tool. But at the end of the day, what makes sports fun is the human element of it. Like, there is a reason, you know, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James are great. Yeah, if you went just strictly based off numbers, and I know in basketball, they're like, well, of course they're going to miss shots. Well, if you're looking at it from a strictly the numbers standpoint, you're like, I don't want this guy taking the game-winning shot because he only hits 40% of his shots from the field. You can't measure the clutch factor. No, I want Kobe taking the last shot. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mm-hmm. want RIP to a legend. I want that dude draining the ball. I want Michael Jordan with the ball in his hands as the ball's his time's expiring. Look at D Rose. D Rose was a perfect example. I just I remember the uh, the clip. Cody, I think uh, Sky's Falling tweeted it uh, maybe last against week against Milwaukee. Right? Against Milwaukee, yep. yes. Yep. I want him. I don't care how bad he was that game. He could have had ten points going into that moment. I want the ball in D Rose's hands. Just there's guys that are good at that, and that's why you know guys like. And Albert Pujols were so great for so long. That's why guys mm-hmm. like a Mike Trout are so well-revered and are good. That's why Frank Thomas was maybe arguably one of the best baseball players to ever play that just didn't get the same attention because of the era he played in, because all the superstars that were there, like McGuire and Sosa and you know Ken Griffey Jr. and all these other guys. Like, being able to drive in runs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like... Mm-hmm. Like to me, I agree. Like I, I am such. For example, I know I've been going on a bit of a tangent. I'll, I'll sum this up. Momentum, for example, I think is a great thing. Like people that look at sports from just a strictly a number standpoint will be like, "Well, what's momentum? That doesn't make any sense." No, you can feel momentum in a game. That's the human element. You can see physically see momentum when it's happening in the game. For baseball, it's that fifth inning rally with two outs and you get three base hits to drive in two runs and you take a lead. That's momentum. In a hockey game, it's when you know the other team is pressing and all of a sudden you flip the script and you're in their zone for three minutes straight and you score two goals. That's flipping the momentum. Football is the same way. Big turnover on defense. All of a sudden, the offense marches down the field and gets a quick score. That's momentum. Like 
that's other things that just numbers can't do. So I am, I'm such a, I'm a big fan of numbers as well. I mean, I was an accountant for a while. So like, I love numbers. I'm a stat nerd. I'm all about numbers. That's just my, that's my jam. I mean, example, I, I wrote for ONTAP Sportsnet, which is the, we are the official Cubs podcast of the ONTAP Sportsnet, but I wrote a Bears article about the salary cap because that's the nerdy shit I'm into. Give me all of the numbers. Give me dollars. Give me numbers. Like that is, that's my jam. But like at the same time, you have to have the human element in it because if you just follow the numbers, it's like you lose the, you lose what makes it sports. Like you, there's a reason we don't have robot umpires because the human element is what keeps it. We fucking should though. Dude. We, we should, should fucking. We should we fucking should. have them. We should. <laughs> quick, but, let me just. Uh, you know, Ron. I, I'm sorry to cut you off at the end there, no, Ron. I started to laugh because all three of us said the same thing. Where it's like we love numbers, but, but these fucking geeks but. out there just ruining everything. <laughs> you know, like right. it made me laugh. We all did. The numbers all did the aren't the whole exact, story. Like, damn it, dance. dude. Yeah. No, I I hear you. Uh, loud and clear of course but it's interesting we're talking about theo's new job in the front office he actually talked a little bit they're practicing they're implementing some new rules that they're testing out at double a this year was announced i think maybe triple a as well don't quote me on that also i said it was turner because you were saying it was bets bellinger and turner no turner had COVID. he even played games uh six so i'm wrong anyway um so theo epstein one of the rules they're going to do is they're going to have to have at least three infielders or all sometimes there's some rule where the infielders, maybe Cody, you could look it up real quick for me. I'm sorry. Uh, Jesse Rogers was tweeting it out um, where the infielders have to be like on the infield, something like that. There's be some like so the play where they're setting up where both the be on the edge of the grass. And uh, cause they're doing that stuff. Cause they want to show off the athleticism of the game. Um, I think Theo's one. No, he goes, I help bleed the analytics, you know, renaissance in baseball. He admitted that in his uh, end of the season press conference. I helped push this narrative, but I did it at the detriment of the game. We felt like it was more efficient and all this kind of stuff. And maybe it was, it led to wins, but it didn't lead to good baseball. It didn't lead to exciting baseball. And I think he wants to bring the fans back into it. And I saw a couple of comments where they're like, oh, they could position the feelers all they want, but if the guys aren't making contact, they're not making contact. I mean, sure, but it's also making the most of the contact when it's being made. I mean, we've talked right. about how a guy like Kyle Schwarber probably loses 30 to 50 points on his batting average because of rockets into shallow right field or ground ball outs that, you know, 15 years ago would have been easy base hits. So it's interesting to see what they do. I don't know. Cody, did you get the tweets from Jesse up? Yeah, I'm, I have them up. Yeah, and uh... – what I, can you repeat what you were sorry? I think he had a couple of quotes from Theo Epstein. I guess Theo talked to the media today about yeah. their testing some new rules at double A. I might have said them already, but I wasn't I, sure if I got the, the idea right. Yeah, I just looked at something about triple A. Um, I don't see sorry, dude. About... I really put you on the spot. I'm like, Cody, you got that? You got those tweets? <laughs> and you're like, no, I don't fucking have those tweets, dickhead. Why don't you keep talking? He, he said something about AAA to reduce player injuries and collisions. The the size of first, second, and third base will be increased from 15 inches square to 18 inches square. But I don't see anything about AA on his. I'm on Jesse Rogers' Twitter timeline. I don't. I don't see anything about Double A though. It would have been like three uh, o'clock this afternoon. It was like here it he, is. He, he, I think I got it right this. here. More theo. experimental rules to be tried out in the minors this season at double oh, team must have a minimum of four players on the infield, each of whom must have both feet completely in front of the outer bound boundary of the infield dirt. 
uh, and it was continued. Depending on the preliminary results of this experimental rule change, the MLB may require two infielders to be positioned entirely on each side of second base in the second half of the double A season. So essentially eliminating the shift is what that screams to me, or at least limiting the shift in terms of like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, maybe you can get creative and like, he can be like on second base if you're the shortstop and you can bring the third baseman over a little bit, but you're still, like you said, you're still kind of creating those gaps that again, 15 years ago, an easy, what is an easy base hit, you know, becoming now an out because of how ridiculous the shift has become. And I mean, the Cubs, you know, I mean, Joe liked the shift at times, but you know, there's some teams that just, I feel like they shift on every freaking the shift, the, the shift. I've always said this about the shift and it's such a, it's the most biased thing I'll ever say. It's awesome when it benefits the Cubs and it sucks when it goes against the Cubs. And every fan thinks that about their team. No one in the grand scheme likes the shift, but whenever it benefits them, they're like, ah, shift's not too bad. But, you know, the amount of times I've seen Kyle Schwarber and freaking Anthony Rizzo just crank one right to the fucking like outfield grass that would have been a base hit 10 years ago, you know, didn't get because of the shift it, it was infuriating when it would go against the Cubs. So yeah, I'm, I'm hey guys, all for like finding a way to limit that. Yeah. Just to create, why not create more excitement? I know we're all dedicated to the old school ways of baseball, but it's 2021. Now I'm, I'm for anything that just kind of shakes it up a little bit. It is impressive though. When a guy rocks one up the middle and the shortstop's right there, it's like, how the hell do they know this? But guys, I can't hate to do this. I'm going to run. I got to run upstairs real quick. Uh, I'll be back in two minutes. Uh, feel free to talk about how handsome I am. And then when I come back, I'm going to completely interrupt and change the subject from whatever you were talking about. Fair. Sounds good. Beautiful. All right. I'll be right back. Fair. Yeah, that totally works. We interrupt this episode of Cubs on tap to bring you a quick word from our sponsor. COVID spring break is right around the corner and you know what that means. Spring break in your pants. Manscaped is here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. Even Veronica Corningstone wouldn't say no to this pants party. For everyone preparing for a pants party this spring break, we have an exclusive 20% off discount for you by using code ONTAP at manscaped.com. I personally love Manscaped's products. I have at all of them. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything I don't have from Manscaped. I love them, and you will too. Why? Well, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming experience. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, which is a waterproof cordless body trimmer, and they have a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. For example, the Lawnmower 3.0 is the best trimmer on the market if for anything that you need to shave, whether that's chest, the rest of your body, and even your balls. The third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, which was actually pioneered by Manscaped. You can also adjust settings and your the, to the length that you like as well, just so you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. So let me tell you, don't ruin any vibes this spring break or even this upcoming summer with some peaking pubes coming out of your swimsuit. You know what else you can use? Well, you can use their Crop Cleanser, which is a beautiful body wash that they have. It keeps your hair and skin feeling healthy and fresh. I have some myself and it's absolutely fantastic. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll also receive the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. And let me tell you, it's perfect for this time of the year because we all know how miserable chafing is when you're wearing a bathing suit all day long. 
You can also find the Crop Reviver, which is a ball toner, and it's a spray-on that's designed to give your boys a nice little slice of heaven. For a limited time, subscribers also get two free gifts. That's not one, that's two. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. I have both of those, and they are absolutely fantastic, ladies and gentlemen. So, for 20% off and free shipping, get, use the code ONTAP, that's O-N-T-A-P, at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. So once again, get 20% off and free shipping with code ONTAP at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com when you use promo code ONTAP. Say aloha to your new beautiful balls with Manscaped. Now, back to the program. What, um, so what's, what's what, you want to take a guess on what Joe's doing right now? because <laughs> um, I have no idea I would like doing. to think it, it's something to do with the kids but I have a feeling he <laughs> just really kids? needs to pee I think he just really that... needs to pee <laughs> yeah like if, if we're being 100% honest if like, he comes if, back really fast then yeah I would say well, it's, it has to it's like it's like when you're at Wrigley and you know you had like your three or four beers at Murphy's before you walk into the game and you get there and you, you order two more because let's be honest every degenerate that goes to a Cubs or, or across town side of yeah. the house game you get two beers when you go you don't get one you get two it's oh, more yeah. efficient Double fist. yeah yeah but by the time that you're halfway through that second beer you're like all right i feel good i'm gonna go get another one yep so you go get your two more and then you sit back down and as soon as you sit back down you have to pee that's yep. joe right now just the most inopportune time to go to the bathroom <laughs> has to go i mean you have to go like it doesn't matter that Javi Baez is up with the bases loaded. You have to go or you are literally going to piss yourself Done. in the bleachers. Yep. It's going to have to be 2015 opening day again where everyone's pissing in their cups because of freaking uh, – they. Oh, you remember the bathroom. You remember, where because, that's right. Yeah, I the, do. I do. The overcapacity of people. Right? Yeah, yeah. They had yeah. porter potties and like they were doing – like the, you couldn't even sit in the bleachers because they – Right. Because uh, they were under renovation. Them. Yeah. And they had like those big old – I don't want to call them posters but like – murals of ernie banks because it was like going into the season that yeah. after he had just passed yeah, i was at opening day that uh of 2015 and that's literally what i remember most about that game was the next well, day then. wherever like the stories about how fans were pissing in their cups because the fucking lines were so fucking long man right <laughs> yeah it's crazy i mean yeah, no i, I was gonna say i i remember i went to one game in 2015 yeah. where the bleachers weren't done yet, but thankfully they had solved the bathroom issue. Oh, and I remember just honorarily, and this is a shout-out to our guy, Mr. Director of Morale, Fred. Um, mm. Naturally, I walked in, I saw there were urinals, I said, fuck those, and I went and pissed in the trough. because That's, that's what I just did. Place. I just peed yeah, in my we, sink. We were, right, Ron, we were right. I was right. He was like, what do you think Joe's doing? And I'm like, I would like to think it's to do something with the kids, but he just really had to pee. I had to pee and then I got to say goodnight to my son. Okay, but was, there, you there you go. There you go. Combination. You're both right. right. Yeah, there we go. Say, hey, there you go. Uh, but but no, I did say I was going to change the subject when I came back you downstairs. Were. You and were. I want to go so ahead. badly. Uh, so Eloy Jimenez, who plays on some team, I forget, he had a really, and another embarrassing play in the outfield. And this dude is just racking up the embarrassing, wow, dude, you could hit, but you are one unathletic dude in left field. It's really atrocious how horrible he is at playing left field. So I'm, I made a comment like, yeah, he should really be a DH by now. And someone was like, all right, Cubs fan. Like, mm. And it made me think to myself, dude, the, you know, they do the whole thanks Cubs every time Elo hits a home run. Yeah, I so badly 
I w- if I had my Avengers Endgame where I could have a time machine, I would go back and invent Twitter so I could be a billionaire. And then it would start in 1998. And every time Sosa hit a home run, I'd say, thanks, White Sox, 66 times. I'd be able to tweet, thanks, White Sox. That's how petty I'm being right now. I want to go back over 20 years ago just so I could get the revenge. Because I'm just getting a little annoyed with the thanks, Cubs, when Eloy does something well. Look, Eloy's really, really good. He's an all-star player. He's never going to be an MVP because you can't be an MVP in today's age because of the war stats. You need to play at least some defense and be able to run the bases a little bit because he's not going to have a seven-war season ever because it's that'd be all off the hitting, which is unheard of, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's somewhat possible, but not, I don't think he's there. So, yeah, we gave you an all-star for a guy who we thought was going to be a number two. Didn't work out. And for anyone going, don't forget about Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease has showed me nothing so far. His He had a... Four ERA, it should have been a six. His FIP was embarrassingly high. His strike for a guy who throws 98, he only struck out six guys per nine and walked almost five guys per nine. So until he does something, he's is he even gonna be in the Sox rotation? Does he crack the top five? I don't know. I don't care, but let's stop <laughs> acting like Eloy for Quintana was Jake Arietta and Pedro Strope for Scott Feldman, because it's not. Oh, I have uh, one one main thing to say is, you know, when the Sox were tanking, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it, and we're the Cubs were we're talking 2017, 2018, you know, I was one of the people who online, if I saw Kyle Schwarber slander, I would come at you because I would think you're an absolute idiot. And the amount of people who said over and over, oh, Schwarber's a DH, Schwarber's a DH, Schwarber's a DH. A lot of them were Sox fans, and now they're in the same situation, and they don't want to hear it. And they don't want to hear it. And you know what? You you hate to see it. You do. <laughs> you hate to see it because it, it's, it's about as hypocritical as, as anything. It really is. Well, And, the, and the thing is, is they would love to have Schwarber. I was just going to say, and to add to it, if you really want to, you know, just continue down this path of just battering them and how bad Eloy is defensively, at least Schwarber was invented himself to at least be a competent left fielder. I'm not saying he was a gold glover by any means, but he was competent. Yeah. I I was going to say, he's not running into, I mean, he, God forbid, he had the one incident where him and Fowler collided with the knee. But outside of that, yo, Eloy running and, and doing dumb shit has become like, Almost its own sketch, comical yeah. for the White Sox at this point. But can like, I say this? And- that was that was that was Fowler's fault. Watch the replay of Fowler and Schwarber colliding. That's more on Dex than it is on Kyle, and I will take that to my grave. <laughs> Dexter Fowler's a center fielder. He doesn't call him off, and he dives into Schwarber's knees. And if you mm-hmm. notice it, Schwarber had the beat on the ball better than Fowler did. Dexter Fowler, as much as we love him was always an average to below average center fielder until 2016. And 2016, they started playing him deep because he was a guy that, you know, a lot of center fielders are like, I'll play shallow because my speed will make up for stuff. And they're just like, you're not as good at going back. You know what I mean? Like that you think you are. You're not Andrew Jones. So they just started playing him deep, especially at Wrigley, which really isn't, you know, we were talking about earlier. They don't have big alleys like a lot of parks do. It's it's probably the easiest center field to play in all of baseball. And um, that's just, which is why you could get away with Ian Happ there. And I love Ian Happ. That's not Ian Happ slander, but you know, he's not your prototypical center fielder. I think he'd be right. an above average left fielder where he's just an adequate center fielder. Anyway, I just thought I'd point that out there because I remember when that happened, people were like, Oh, he's going to hurt himself again. I'm like, let's not pretend like 
Fowler didn't just take out his knees. Because if you really watch that, Schwarber's like doing the backhand, which is how mm. you go back on a fly ball that deep. And Fowler just kind of dives right into his knees. And it's like, all right. Well, you know, he, lovers. that all said, I mean, Schwarber, before he lost the weight or whatever, he he wasn't good at, at left field. But oh, yeah. he got he got better, at, you know, after losing the weight. And, you know, I – it is I with Kyle Schwarber, I like kind of like we keep saying, you know, we he has a place in our hearts forever. Um, that we wish he could have been a little bit better offensively, and maybe if he was, we'd be keeping him or, or that, or if we had the DH, so we could use him there a couple of days a week. But yeah, I mean, the whole thing with Eloy and him, it it, it just it, it's always just so you know. So wild to me how we I had to hear in 2017, 2018, while the Sox were really bad rebuilding and they had to find a way to, you know, get under my skin and give me that. And now they're in the same situation and they don't want to hear it from you, Joe. Like, hmm, hmm. And yeah, like I said, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. I hate to I hate to flip the switch here um, as much as it is to uh, kind of rag on our, our friends across town. Um, do you mind if I play a little trivia with you guys real quick? It's current trivia. Bring it. Um, because this is something that I, I've been watching over the last couple of days. Obviously we're now finally kind of in getting really deep into spring training. You know, we're finally starting to actually get an understanding how these guys are looking. Obviously we alluded to Jock at the top of the show. He's absolutely just crushing the baseball. Jock is leading the team in RBIs right now. He has nine. The second and third Best RBI goers on the team have eight and seven respectively. Can you name the second and third place guys without looking it up on the team right now in RBS? All right, I'll guess first. God, this one's tough. I think it's Baez and Nico. You got one right. I won't tell you who yet, but you got one right. Is it Rafael Ortega? It is. Rafael is number two. With five? Rafael Ortego. He's got eight. He's, oh, got, he's got eight, eight. RBIs. <laughs> he's second on the team right now with eight RBIs. Javi is third with seven. Oh, eight and uh, seven. Right. Get that walk off grand slam. Right. Hell yeah. yeah. And then he'd yeah, home yeah. Run the next day. His only yeah. his only home run. Well, I thought uh, him. I just couldn't remember Ortega's the other kind. Yeah, wow. Nice. Well, and so future yeah. Cubs legend. Yeah, future <laughs> Cubs legend. But there's there's a reason I wanted to bring that up to you guys because Obviously, we we you guys talked very extensively about Nico. Absolutely warranted. He's obviously been just crushing the baseball all spring so far. He looks fantastic. But Javi Baez has also looked very good in spring so far. And I feel like people just haven't talked about him because of how hot Jock has been and how hot Nico has been. And so that's kind of where I wanted to go with this because I am obviously a very big Javi Baez lover. I know all of us are as well. But it really does feel like Javi – Javi almost feels like he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder this season because of, you know, everybody kind of ragged on him last year. Oh, Javi Baez can't hit. It's just a fluke. You know, he even admitted, he's like, hey, a big part of my game is being able to make in-game adjustments. And if I can't make those in-game adjustments, guess what? Yeah, I'm going to struggle because guess what? I'm good as good as I am because I can make in-game adjustments. Because let's be honest, an in-game adjustment alone to me is a skill that a lot of guys don't necessarily have. And you know, so far in 18 at-bats, so a little bit of a small sample size to take it for what it is, but he's betting 333 so far. He's got two homers and seven RBIs. His OPS right now is 1.035. So he's hitting the shit out of the baseball so far. And I guess I kind of want to ask you guys because I really do think Javi has a bounce-back season this year. Maybe not 2018, you know, runner-up MVP Javi, 
But I think somewhere in between 2018 and 2019, Javi, I think Javi's looking at a 30-100 season. I really do. Yeah. Um, Joe, can I go first? Yeah. No, just yeah. go, buddy. You don't have to ask me. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I thought you yeah. were about to talk. Um, I mean, yeah, I would uh, optimistically, I, I think that he's, I think he has, he's, it's revenge season for him. Uh, you know, I, I want him to bounce back and show us, you know, at least what we got in 2019. Um, because we talk about all the time, you know, he, he struck out a ton last year. He, he looked like rookie Javi Baez. I, I want, you know, I at least want 2017, 2018, 2019 Javi Baez. Um, because I think that's a, you know, a high quality shortstop in today's game. So, you know, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. I think that's, I don't think that's too much, but I, you know, I, you know, I, I could, I'd be okay if it wasn't that too, as long as it's, you know, somewhere in that range, I guess. But I mean, yeah, he, he's, he looks good in camp. I'm, I don't know. I, I'm, I just haven't taken too much into spring training. That's why when we were talking about Jock earlier, like everyone's excited. Like, yeah, it's been fun watching him hit home runs and everything, but I'm kind of taking it with a grain of salt, to be completely honest with you. So. And, and Joe, before you answer, that's, I think that's completely fair, Cody. And that's, and that's the thing. I think just for me, the biggest thing, that at least encouraging to me so far with Javi and the reason I, I kind of wanted to bring it up and hear your guys' opinions on it too, is just because like he looks more confident. And obviously mm-hmm. I think a lot of these guys, I think honestly, if we're just being totally honest, I think a lot of guys are just excited that spring training is rolling again. Cause it was at this time last year where spring training paused. And right. then you had the, you know, the the hiatus until they brought it back up and got it going at the end of July. So I think a lot of guys are just excited to be back and they're kind of back in that swing of things because, you know, mm-hmm. baseball players as are, you know, admittedly most human beings in general, but especially athletes, your creatures a habit. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so if you're back kind of in what you know, you know, hey, we're back in spring training. This is good. We're warming up. We get this full month of games, you know, right. we've still got, you know, two more weeks in March. And then, oh, we're going to play in the cold. That's But they're like, hey, this is cool. Yeah, we'll play April 1st in Chicago. It can be 30 degrees. I don't give a shit. We're playing playing 162 this year. We're playing a full season. And I think guys are just honestly excited because of being creatures of habit. Just like, this feels normal. This feels good again. And, you know, and really, I think a lot of guys, like even KB. KB had a, a big hit today. Uh, what, base clearing double, I want to say. Uh, in mm-hmm. today's game, he, you know, he got a big hit, obviously, uh, Rizzo has looked good in the you know limited time that he's been getting so far. So it really does feel like again a lot of these guys that struggled with the Cubs in 2020 might be kind of finding their swagger again as we enter uh, this 2021 season. Yeah, yeah. I mean the full spring thing is huge. Uh, you look at a guy like Craig Kimbrell who hasn't had one the last few years, so I'm glad he's getting his um, getting lit up moments out of the way early in spring because I think he's a guy at his age where he needs to ramp up to get that fastball going. Because it wasn't until his last you know, 10 innings last year, his last, I don't know, five, six weeks where he started to really dial up the fastball again. He started hitting 98, 99 again, where he was sitting 96 when he was getting rocked early in the year. So yeah, I think, I think the whole team just kind of has that. And you're going to see that a lot around baseball. And that's probably gonna be the story around baseball where it's like, Hey, there's gonna be fans in the stands. There's like a light at the end of this COVID tunnel. Last year sucked. We were all cooped up in our hotel rooms. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go out to dinner. You know, baseball is a, is the most mental sport of any of these sports. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Football and basketball, your athleticism takes over. Hockey, your athleticism takes over. Baseball, yeah, it's an athletic game, but it's way more mental because you could just go into a slump. You know what I mean? The best hitters go into slumps all the time. And, you know, if you can't 
pull a, a Mark Gray slump buster. You guys could Google that. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna mess with you. And back to Javi. He better be playing with a chip on his shoulder, as you were saying. This is a contract year, and he's coming off his worst season. I'm like you, though, Ron. I could see 30 and 100 easily. Uh, he would have hit 30 home runs in 2019 if he didn't miss the last month. He finished with 29. He had about 35 in 2018-ish when he was mm-hmm. running up for MVP. That glove is elite. It's obviously one of the most elite gloves in baseball. He's a phenomenal base runner. He'll make a, a mistake here or there, but being overly aggressive, and you accept that because he's Javi. And mm-hmm. you take the good with the bad on occasion. But yeah, I definitely see a bounce back year for him. But I almost want to see him batting sixth or seventh. I don't want to see him batting fourth or fifth. Great. I want him to work his way back up because in 2018, his best year, he was batting sixth or seventh until Madden was like, this guy is my best hitter by far right now. And then by maybe June 1st, they moved him up when he started to go on a tear. Mm-hmm. I just think he kind of, I, I want him to stay. I think Javi's the type of dude that wants to prove people wrong. Yeah. You know how earlier, or maybe a couple weeks ago, we talked about the contract extensions. KB is a guy I want to extend because I think he'll have a good year knowing like, oh, that weight's off my shoulder. Finally, I get to relax. I feel like this knot that's been in my back for three years because these stupid rumors and the internet is gone. Now I could breathe. Mm-hmm. That'll benefit him. I think Javi's almost one of those guys that's like, you're going to let me test free agency? I'm going to make you regret that. I'm going to have one of my best years ever. And I, I could kind of see him doing that. He's still going to strike out a lot. I don't. That's why I really think it's going to be more like 2019, Javi. Because I think this, like yesterday, like today, had a big bomb. Yesterday, he went over through three Ks. But you, you mm-hmm. take that if the guy has got an OPS over a thousand, you don't give a shit if he has a game where he strikes out a bunch. They're just outs at the end of the day. That's why mm-hmm. I want him positioned. Maybe for fun, we could. I, I think we did this last week where we gave our lineups, but mine's changing week to week with guys hitting differently. Um, <laughs> I want Javi yeah. protected between two guys who have higher contact rates, just because. Why not? Yeah. yeah, no, and and Joe, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because I was I was thinking heavily about this today. Don't ask me why, but I was. I almost based on what we've seen so far, I want Jock Peterson in the three hole. I know it's changing I want week him to two, week, but go ahead. I, I don't mind that either, but I, I want him almost in that position because if he's this hot hand, especially if the season starts, right, you know, obviously, again, totally week to week. I agree with you there, Joe. I think that's the best way to put this. But you figure if Jock Peterson continues, obviously, he's not going to hit 579 or whatever the hell he's hitting right now in the, in the regular season. But but if he continues this streak where maybe he's hitting, you know, 290, 295, maybe even flirting with 300, 305, you know, April, May, maybe even June. He's just going to benefit then guys like Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez that are hitting maybe four, five, and six behind him, or three, four, and five behind him, or whatever, or three, four, and six behind him, wherever you have these guys filtered. Because, you know, again, like we talked about, you can only protect so many guys, or you can only throw away from so many guys in a lineup as a pitcher until somebody's going to get you. Right. I mean, let's say, you know, Haps is your bonafide leadoff guy. Ross has already come out and said that. Let's say, you know, your number two is maybe Nico, the way he's been hitting now all of a sudden. You get that high contact guy who could get up there, get on base. You got two of those now at the top of your order. And then all of a sudden, holy shit, you got Jock coming in at three. You got maybe KB coming in at four and you got Riz hitting five. And then maybe you got Jay Hay at six and Javi at seven. Whew. Holy smokes. Like all of a sudden that's just, Oh, we didn't even talk about Wilson Contreras. My, I was bad. Say, my man. Holy shit. Mm. But, but even then, so what if, what if yeah. you're hitting Willie five, <laughs> you, you legitimately could hit Jay. Hey, eight in this lineup and be maybe the deepest this lineups ever been. 
Well, Ron basically just gave his lineup. I know we did this last week. Maybe your lineup's the same, Cody. Uh, we could give our lineups. And then, because right now I'm still not sure about the five-man rotation and then yeah. the pitching. And then next week we could do the rotations and then we could do the final pieces right up before spring training. Because we got, what, two more weeks before, yeah, before spring training. And also, Ron, I don't know if you heard last week on the podcast, we want to do um, the episode before the season starts, we want to pick who our Cubs MVP is going to be, who our, like our Cubs Cy Young is going to be, and then Absolutely. we'll do greater baseball, who NLAL and all that kind of fun shit. But I want to give my lineup. Cody, you could give yours. Ron, you basically gave yours. And we're going to hit the hour mark and have ourselves a tight little podcast here for our listeners, which I think is pretty badass. Yeah. I like your thinking, Ron. I really do. I shifted. I changed my mind from my last week's lineup. Ian Happ's still my leadoff hitter. I got Jock Peterson batting too, and I'm going to explain why. Some people listening might be like, you got lefty-lefty in a row. You didn't have to switch hitter, right? So you still could play with the bullpen. Bullpen comes in late. They bring in a nasty lefty. Hap could turn around, and you got the every other batter rule thing that's still going into effect. And then you could pitch hit Jock if it's a really nasty lefty, like a hater coming in, and then you could bring in Bodie. You know, you could play with it a little bit. But I like Peterson in the two-hole because Jack, Jack Peterson, historically in his career, kills right-handed pitching. He's like elite against right-handed pitching. So, And that's what he's going to see mostly. So you got Jack Peterson batting second against a righty. You put Chris Bryant behind him. That's only going to help him see some more fastballs. So I got half bleeding off center field. Jack Peterson left field batting two. Chris Bryant at third base hitting third. Anthony Rizzo batting fourth at first base. High contact guy. Gets on base a lot. Could help turn over the lineup more extended innings. We know what he does. Five, I got Wilson Contreras. I like his consistency more than Javi, so I'm putting him in the five hole. Uh, Jason Hayward, I like what he did last year. Again, he He's one of the better contact bats in, on the team, too. I have him sixth. Like I said before, Javi seventh. Make him go, you know what? All right, I'll show you. I'll show you I, I belong, belong in the heart of the order. Here we go. And then you got Nico hitting eighth, right? Nico's still young and hungry. Let's keep him that way. I like that he's a high contact bat, which is also why I like him after Javi. If Javi comes up with a runner on third and one out or nobody out and strikes out, doesn't bring the run in when all he needed was contact. You got Nico right behind him who will get you that contact to the right side or hit the fly ball to bring him in. So now we have Javi sandwiched between Hayward and Nico, two guys who are above average in contact rate in baseball. So that's how you protect one of your high K guys in my mind. And then of course the pitcher hitting ninth. Joe, um, my friend, man, I, I don't really have much to change. I like that lineup. I, I really do. Um, I know when the last time we did this, I was like, you know, if it's a lefty or a righty, I mean, Jock Peterson is mashing baseball right now. And I, you know, we've talked about it. They're going to give him every opportunity to just play against everyone. So whatever. Um, I, I, yesterday. Yeah. Okay. I, I, again, I, I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm taking everything he's doing with a grain of salt, but if we're if we if, if opening day was tomorrow and we had and I had what we've watched so far, then yeah, um, I'll take Ian Hab batting first, and then batting second. I uh, I don't I think in that spot it's interesting. I still like Jason Hayward there, uh, even though he's he has historically been better at sixth spot. But I for some reason after last year, I'm, I'm kind of I feel I feel like he's at least earned that opening day like a little up higher in the in the lineup. Um and because he he performed well in the spot last year. So um I know small sample size, whatever, but I I, I still like that. And for some reason I, I like the you know Ian Hap's a switch hitter. So I guess depending on pitcher, whatever. Jason Hayward second, uh Chris Bryant third. 
uh, Rizzo fourth, and then Contreras fifth. And then in, in the sixth spot, that's where I would personally, that's where I would put Jack, Jack Peterson. And then I like what Joe had the end with Nico and um, Javi after that. So, or Javi, then Nico. So I think I, I think I covered my bases that time. So um, a little bit different, not too much, but for, you know, it's the only reason that I, I have Hayward up higher is just because uh, there's so many times I've seen where the Cubs will get their leadoff guy on, but then the, you know, we, we, we can't, we can't figure out a way to keep an inning going. Um, and, and again, this is, this is all like, I'm taking spring training with a grain of salt. Like, like I want to get up for Jock Peterson. I do. I, I want to get up for him, but I'm not going to do it yet. And right now I, I have more faith opening day with Jason Hayward in this two spot over Jock Peterson. I just do. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's respectable though. I mean, I, again, I think Joe put it perfectly, right? Like these lineups are going to shift as guy how, you know, based on how guys play and different things like that. So, and I think that's fair, right? I mean, certain guys just naturally do better in spring training than others. So, you know, you, you really, it's encouraging when a guy does well in spring, right? Like obviously you see right. the ball well. And like, like right now I'm encouraged that Jock is clearly seeing the ball like he did in the playoffs versus the 2020 regular season. But you know, like you said, can he carry that over to the regular season? And obviously, yeah, if he can, fuck yeah, let's go. Like yeah. give me all the wins, but you know, if he can't, like, oh shit! All right, well then you got to you know reevaluate and, and go. Well, one thing I will say about Jock is like you know he he's been putting the bat on the ball, man. Like we you know we've talked about it, especially with the high the high fastballs, where a lot of uh, the guys on the roster have struggled with that in the last couple of years. Right. I, every ball that Jock Peterson has hit, it feels like every day out of the park, are a lot of them are high fastballs, and like. It's just it's it's kind of refreshing to be able to see that a Cubs hitter is hitting a high fastball somewhere. So, um, yeah, Rizzo I, again, hit a high fastball about four hundred feet the other day too, four twenty yeah. even. Yeah, that was ball that, was. Was that the one that went up uh, past the grass, like the hill or whatever? It was. That, was it up? One? I don't know. It was. I, I can't remember where it landed exactly, but I remember thinking, "Damn, Rizzo really got on top of that high fastball and absolutely crushed it." So. Maybe it's something that we're working on right now. They, they really, you know, what I really love right now at Cubs camp is it seems like there's just a system in place and everything is like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whenever I hear Tommy Hadovy talk, I'm like, I like this guy more and more every year. I wasn't sure about him at first as the Cubs pitching coach because you know they had Bazio who was really good but turned out to be kind of a bad guy, and, and really Bazio and Madden were bumping heads. That kind of mm-hmm. got glossed over by fans, um, but that's really kind of the story there. I think Bazio was like, why are you bringing in this guy in the book? Cause look, as much as I love Madden, he was not the best at handling a bullpen. Even in Tampa, he was known for that. Tampa Bay Ray fans were like this guy. Like a lot of people thought they cost him the world series when he was in Tampa the one year with his handling of the bullpen. But, and I don't want to say ill of Joe Madden cause we all love Joe Madden. He's, he's Joe. Um, but that's interesting. And then Hickey came over just for the one season, which mm-hmm. kind of did a pretty good job considering you Darvish was injured and not good that year and then Chatwood gave you nothing and the Cubs rotation really was still very strong all of 2018 we won 95 games and then how did he comes in in 2019 and it's just kind of like a weird year Madden's lame duck season what's going on and the bullpen was you know in disarray and all this other kind of stuff and uh, but you know, you Darvish bounced back in the second half, and a lot of people really gave ha- Tommy Hadvey a ton of credit for that. You Darvish especially gave Tommy a lot of credit. Tommy mm-hmm. kind of reinvented that bullpen with the pitch lab stuff last year. It got to the point where going in the last year, 
the biggest question mark was the bullpen. Then at the end of the year, the bullpen was a strength, and it was the offense that was a major problem. This year, I'm a little, I'm more encouraged with the offense. They made a couple changes. The starting rotation, I think, is still the big question mark because you got the back end where it's like maybe, but I don't know. You know, like that's a, there's a few guys who are like that. We're like, obviously, we love Adbert, we love Kyle Davies, who's looked amazing so far, and yes. he's always been pretty good in his career. So you feel good with those three. What Jake are we going to get? We love Jake. Obviously, we're rooting for the best Jake. Trevor Williams, is he the guy he could have been three years ago but faded away? Uh, you know what I mean? Alec Mills, do we do we find something with him a little bit? Like, There's still some stuff where you're like, I don't know. But it definitely feels like what's going on at camp is that everyone is on the same page every day regardless. And I think a lot of that is David Ross. I really think he's going to have a long career as a manager, and hopefully that's in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. With with that with that said, Joe, you, you're saying so many great things. Can Thanks. can we bring up the tweet that I tagged you in from the Cubs on Tap account the other day? From it was a quote tweet from I think his his name's John Zagul. I think that's what his last name is. And he does his own podcast, whatever. I'm not going to give him any more clout. But in his caption, he or not even his caption, his entire video. He's basically saying that like the Cubs will be lucky to even compete in the NL Central. And I quote tweeted because last week Joe was like, I want to bring Torp back. So I quote tweeted and was I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, okay, Torp. And then I tagged Joe. And uh has he blocked I, us? <laughs> did did he? I, I don't I'm, know. I don't know. I thought he would. It just seemed like the type of guy. Look, you know, I he unfollowed me on Twitter a while ago, and I didn't even do anything to him. He slid my DMs asking me to give him a five star review on his freaking podcast that I had never listened to before. But you know, I I have no I, I know nothing against him or anything, but like his reasonings in his video or, or on his show that he was trying to promote was just kind of like, dude, you do you even pay attention to the Cubs? Like, I don't dude, know. I That's agree. That's why I attacked you. His his video was very torpish. He was very torp like, and throughout the whole thing. Uh-huh. And I was going to say, look, anyone who has a passion for sports, I'm usually cool with and all that. I just don't like when people are completely inaccurate. He's like, mm-hmm. they don't have one guy who throws above 90. And it's like, Arietta still throws 91, 92. Um, Adbert throws 96, 97 yeah. even. Like, yeah, I, I just like, don't, like you're talking out of your ass. You, you yeah. think Kyle Hendricks and Davies and then Alec Mills and you just ignored so many other people. Trevor Williams throws over 90. It was just like one of those things where it's like, they don't even throw over 90. I'm like, dude, you're you're wrong, first of all. And then the other shit he said, I'm like, you didn't dig into anything. You didn't. You just – you. he bought the narrative. right? Well, because like the early narrative of the offseason war is the Cubs are selling off. And, yep. and that kind of stuck, even though Jed Hoyer made a, a flurry of some really solid moves. I mean, none of them were like grabbing major headlines uh, like moves. They weren't like major, major free, ag- free agents. But that doesn't mean they weren't good moves. They were. But so many people were like, they just sold everyone off. I'm like, no, we got, we traded you, you Darvish, who I love. We traded him. We non-tendered Kyle, which broke our hearts, of course, Schwarber. And we didn't re-up with John Lester. But to be fair, to act like, yeah, Darvish is a major loss. But everyone acting like they lost so much of the rotation. Quintana threw, what, six innings last year? (laughs) Two as a starter? Is that a major loss? Chetwood through three games. Like, is that a major loss? Lester, I love to death, but had over five ERA. Again, love him. I hate to even say it. Is that a major loss? I, I don't know. I think it's just this narrative that so many people just run with on Twitter. The It gets drilled into their heads up to a point where they don't even question shit. 
You see it yeah. all over sports media. In the NBA, LeBron James is the MVP. Has there ever been an MVP in the NBA who's not top 10 in any statistic and is 15th in player efficiency rating? He's not the fucking MVP. He's not even close. And I love LeBron. I'm not one of those haters. But it's just rem- that you reminded me, that guy reminds me of everything that's wrong with sports media. The idea of just like, oh, here's what people were saying. I'll regurgitate it, but try to be like over the fucking top of Colin Cowherd about it. Like I everyone on Fox Sports Network sucks ass when it comes to opinions. They go over the top with their bullshit. They, they're consistently wrong, which creates engagement because half of the replies are, hey, dickhead, that didn't happen in 1990, whatever. And then it creates engagement. Twitter pushes them up the ranks. And then people think everyone watches their shows when everyone just hate watches them. Yep. It's like Floyd Mayweather. I paid 50 bucks because I want to see him get his little head knocked out. All right. Same. I don't care about a defensive boxing clinic anymore. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great, great rant to kind of end the show, Joe. I no, I, I just wanted to, you know, I had to point that out because I loved I watched it. it and was just so freaking disgusted. And I, and also, I, I, Ron, you got to jump on the bandwagon and help us bring twerp back because I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> twerp, twerp, twerp is such a good word because it's not like in the, in this world of where people are still like, you got to watch what you said. Like, yeah, you're a twerp. Like, hey, it's just a twerp. It's a twerp. Like, hey, what a twerp. Like, I, I would joke with my buddies and call them a twerp. Like, hey, shut up, twerp. Let me, let me, let me speak. All right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, no, I agree. I think it's, it's a great word. And I, I do agree with you also, Cody. I think this is a good time to, for us to go ahead and wrap things up. I think Joe's, I think Joe's rant's the perfect way to send this one out. Uh, but do want to remind everybody we are, Cubs on Tap, the official Cubs podcast of the On Tap Sports Network. You can go ahead and check out all of our great works over at www.ontapsportsnet.com and at On Tap Sportsnet on all social media. That's all sports here in Chicago. We cover every single one of them. So, uh, from myself, Ron Luce, from Cody Delmendo, from Joe Kelgallen, gentlemen, this was a blast. I'm looking forward to next week's show. And uh, without further ado, let's go, Cubbies. This is-